Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is The Guardian. big thing down here, especially in Tasmania, is the word change. It scares them slightly. They're all right once they take that step, but it's convincing them that they have to take that step and convincing them now, nine years later, and it's the worst the government's ever seen and that the Tasmanians have probably ever seen. It is time for change. We have to try something new. Hello, lovely people of pods. This week uh, I am on the road. I'm in Tasmania, and with me this week is... Jackie Lambie. Hello, how are you going? <laughs> it's very good to be talking to Jack in the wild. Uh, so uh, basically I've been down with my dear friend Mike Bowers uh, to the two marginal Tasmanian seats in the north, Bass and Braddon. We've been gathering impressions from voters and from other candidates, uh, but I'm very interested in Jackie's view of, I mean, look, what, we're two, three weeks out from an election? Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's close. Mm -hmm. What's your impression of how Tasmanians are coming at this electoral battle? Um, I think um, what I'm hearing out of Tasmanians is um, something I've been hearing for a long time and it seems to have really got a lot worse um, going into this election is how much of a gutful they've actually had. It doesn't matter which party it is, to be honest. They've lost trust and they've lost faith in most politicians out there and that is really, really sad. To me, they're not really actually talking about the election. They're worried right now we have a bloody housing issue down here. Our health is the worst in Australia that you could possibly get. There's um, ambulance ramping, you know, the the closure um, of aged care being open and closing down, that seems to be a big one. We do have per capita big population of ageing down here in Tasmania just how that what they're feeling out there, especially those people in aged cares have been having shut down from their families. This has been going on for two years and it's still going on, um, which is a bit of a worry for their mental health. The other big thing down here is, and I have tried as much as I have tried, uh, there's 300 councillors out there that could be put on the... Um, um, on the Medicare scheme, um, so they are paid out of that so I can get those counsellors in with our kids. Right now, one in four children down here in Tasmania is apparently um, suffering from some sort of psychological illness, and that is terribly, terribly worrying. And what do you think people, um, what do you think voters think of Scott Morrison at this point in time? Um, I think for them, they, like I said, I just, I don't know if I'm getting a full read from them or not. They're actually not, I think they're so sick and tired of 
talking about the major parties. It's the it's the little things that are really affecting um, their lives. Um, and the other thing, obviously, the the things that's really broken through in the last few weeks has been the full price. Uh, that's absolutely kidding them. And we're you know it's great that you can offer a tr- public transport out there, but I just want to tell the people on the Greens here in Tasmania that. The best public transport is where all the money is and where all the rich people is, and uh, good luck with that. And I've got, um, you know, out in those public housing areas and out in those more vulnerable areas, the public transport is crap here in Tasmania. Let's be brutally honest about that, let alone telling your mother to go to work and put her two children on a bus is the best way forward and drop them off at daycare on the way. This is just rubbish. These are the solutions that we're coming up with. Here's the solution. The petrol's through the roof. Drop the excise why this is going on. When it settles back down, then take the excise back. No worries, but Jesus. You know, some pretty simple solutions out there and they don't want to use them. But in terms of, I I absolutely agree with what you're saying because everybody that we've spoken to when we've been here is thinking about a minor party one way or another. Um, So I totally get what you mean. But, uh, but, uh, again, sort of broad perceptions. People are cranky with Morrison for different reasons. Yeah, so I'm just uh, for an, uh, like obviously it's a it's a national audience. Do you think Tasmanians are standing there with baseball bats waiting to grab him, or what do you reckon? Um, I would hope that Tasmanians are a little bit kinder than that, but um, I just think there's been a lot of mixed messaging through um, his whole deliverance. I think the real test was. The COVID, it was great to have the the JobKeeper and things like that out there, and that was a bit of a saviour. But the way that's been handled has been pretty bad. Uh, the way that the, um, you know, whether it's been the fires or whether it's been the floods, the way that he seems to show up, all that is now showing, showing up out there that people can see he seems to be late to the party every every time, you know, and very indecisive. Um, and then you've got the other side of it because I guess Albo is un- untested. Mm. Big thing down here, and especially in Tasmania, is the word change. Mm. It scares them slightly. They're all right once they take that step, but it's convincing them that they have to take that step and convincing them now nine years later and it's the worst the government's ever seen and that the Tasmanians have probably ever seen. It is time for change. We have to try something new. Mm. A number of people have said to us, yeah, we just, Albo's sort of invisible to non-existent. We don't really have a handle on him. So do you think that's a problem for Labor if there if there is an inclination around the country, and I'm not saying whether there is or whether there isn't, I just mean if there is, right, is Albanese's lack of definition with a lot of voters, do you think that's a significant problem for him at this point? I think with Albanese is when you have a look at the number of senators Tasmania has, and we have 12, and uh, I think five or six of them are Labor, and they're not out there selling Albanese like they should do, and they're being very quiet. That's not helping the situation. We also have five electorates down here. Three of them are Liberal. Uh, One is Labor. Julie Collins is very, very quiet. You never hear anything out of her either. That's actually not helping Albo at all. And then, of course, you have Andrew Wilkie. So if you go and ask the people of Tasmania uh, to name a couple of politicians, you'll more than likely find it's me um, and Andrew Wilkie. That's who they'll name. That's who they know. And they'll chuck Erica Betts in there. That's it. They can't name anything else. So Labor's brought this on itself. If you're not going to go out there and you're not going to do the work and you're going to stick to a certain part of Tasmania and not do what I've had to drive to do is be all over Tasmania like a rash, a big rash, you ain't in the game. Simple as that. 
<laughs> Picking up from the rash, let's go. <laughs> you know, the other thing is I think some of these choices, you've got Labor down here at the moment, we're shaking our heads. They're following what Liberals have offered out and some of it makes no, there's no business cases out there, but they're going to follow what and say, well, if Liberals doing that, must be the right thing to do, so we'll throw our money behind it as well. Oh, my God. What do you mean by that specifically? Well, well let's have a look at hydrogen for one, right? They want to do this big hydrogen hub up at Bell Bay. The reason the investors are pulling back because they know what I do, there's not enough water to drive hydrogen up there at Bell Bay. It's as simple as that. If you're going to drive hydrogen in Tasmania, you'd be doing it where most of your rainfall goes, and that is down the west coast, and that is where you'd be starting. Okay. So <laughs> you gave me a vivid rash. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Jackie, you gave me a vivid, a vivid rash picture. And what I mean by that is I'm semi-apologising because for the opening of this conversation, I've kept you talking about the major parties rather than your own electoral effort, which from what we can see around the place is quite significant. So tell us about that, um, running running a state, well, a state campaign for a federal election. We were talking to Craig Garland uh, a little earlier up the road, um, he told me a great story anyway about um, a bit of happenstance that's enabled him to pay for his posters and all that sort of stuff. How are you marshalling resources in order to run this campaign? Yeah, so I think for me, because I've been out there on the game for so long, I was very lucky when I had my two years on the sidelines um, after I was down on Section 44 where there was certain TV that kept me on regularly. I managed to do Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. That kept me out there. Um, I didn't have time to raise a lot of money. Whatever I raised from those that, that program itself paid for radio ads going into the last election, nothing in the last seven or eight weeks. Ours, I think, is a lot of boots on the ground for the last six weeks, you've seen it as soon as out at traffic lights, waving our signs, waving to people. Uh, we've got social, I have massive social media, so we're doing everything we can to plug into that to um, get that out there. Um, so we're using everything that we can at a really, really low price. I guess the good thing is with us is that on average our political donations are about $27. I think we've had one at 5000 bucks, and there's been two or $3,000 given to us. Um, they've been um, the most substantial donations we've had. One good thing for me is, and I get let off the hook, is um, first of all, I don't have to deal with big political donations and take orders from political donors, which is one good thing. And Jackie Lambie Network has no factions uh, inside their network. So we're good. We're good to go. <laughs> what about, um, let's think about minor parties mm -hmm. and um, and... I agree that there does seem to be a great deal of interest here in um, parties that are that are not the major parties, right? At this point in time, so you've got One Nation, you've got uh, the, the Palmer Party as well. Uh, I don't know if the Liberal Democrats are contesting down here. I, uh, I just I'm, I'm I'm not sure, but anyway, look, there's there's competition obviously around in the micro-party space. One thing we have been hearing quite a bit about around and about is uh, people are, um, you know, angry about vaccination mandates, that sort of stuff. Now, you took quite a strong stand in Canberra in a speech that was, you know, very well publicised on this question and that does differentiate you from some of the other players around the micro-party or minor-party uh, arena what do you think about that issue? Um, what I do know is that um, Tasmania has just over 99% uh, fully vaccinated people on this island. We um, and a lot of us that have been out there and be vaccinated are very aware that we have an ageing population um, down here and we have a great deal of them. So, um, you know, I think 
I think there is people still annoyed that their employers, them, they have a choice as well. And this is what they're not getting. They have a choice, yes, that they can go and get vaccinated to keep their jobs or if they don't want to, their employer has a choice to say, I'm not feeling safe with you being around the rest of my people. That is the choice that they have. So I understand, trust me, I get some sign language and mm-hmm. it's not that pleasant out there doing those signs and that is over the anti-vax stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly, I do not see it being the issue it was um, maybe three months ago down here. People have accepted now that they've had to be double vaccinated and they're getting on with their lives and they are grateful to have their freedoms back by doing that. That's what I'm getting. It's interesting though if you're getting that because people, we've sort of noticed this around the country, right? People who are really animated by that issue, who are, they're, they're really emotional about it. It's sort of like they're really revved about it. Um, but you think it's a minority yeah, I believe it's a minority. You always see the minority. It doesn't matter what it's over, seem to have the largest, uh, you know, the loudest voice. Um, there's no doubt about that. So, like I said, they have choice, like we had a choice. If you don't want to get vaccinated, then pay the consequences. I, I don't know what else to say about that. So, you know, there is 99 point something percent of us down here in Tasmania decide to get double vaxxed and that's what we've done and we're getting on with our lives. Those are the ones out there that haven't been vaccinated. Um, it seems that because most of Australia is now being vaccinated, um, it's really, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it seems to be waning now that employees are asking for vaccination certificates because I always thought as soon as 90% of Australians were vaccinated, whatever was left, so be it, we'll just deal with it. So let's get on with it. So harping on about vaccination now is a little bit late in coming into the show. I think we're over that. Uh, most of us have gone and, and thought and believe we've done the right thing by the nation and we've been vaccinated. That's what we've done. So if you haven't been vaccinated, that's fine. That is your choice. Um, if you end up getting sicker than the rest of us, once again, that is your choice. But, you know, to take any more freedoms off them, when I understand that 90% vaccinated, the rest of us, the, everybody else got their freedoms back as well. That's what I'm understanding. And we've certainly gone over that quota. A couple of other local issues, again, that we've picked up and around and about the place. Obviously, uh, certainly with some people, large-scale salmon farming in this part of the country is like, boom, Krakatoa, <laughs> large. I mean, that's not even a sentence, but you know what I mean, right? It's, it's a really hot-button issue. Where do you line up on that debate? Yeah, so salmon farming is a live debate down here right across um, Tasmania and, yeah, it makes a mess and um, sooner or later it's going to come unstuck at the hip. There's no doubt about that. I have no doubts whatsoever they're going to overfarm and uh, destroy the paths that they're in in Tasmania. Um, there is no doubt, but no, not according to those companies out there. So we'll leave it at that. There is a new one that they want to start just up the top of, um, just out of here, more so over near Stanley. The thing is I'm only just seeing the uplift on this side. People just speaking to me over the last three or four weeks because it's been out there in the paper a little bit more. So I'm just waiting to see what sort of uplift is going to come out of this over the next three or four weeks. It seems to have the paper says something and then the heads come up and they go back down. So, you know, we've got a lot of lot of local fishers over here that don't want it and I don't blame them. Quite frankly, I already know the Bass Strait is really rough out there and whether or not those nets will stay intact, mm. that's the other thing. Quite frankly, there are a lot of us saying we think you're wasting your time, go elsewhere or take them, you know, take them down in, in calmer waters and take them further away from the island. Um, there's no doubt about that. But there is no doubt, yeah, they have made a mess over the years. You've only got to go down to Macquarie Island. If there's one thing you learn about farming crops, you never put the same crop and leave it in the same paddock for 10 years. It'll ruin in the paddock. So what do they do? They put these fishnets in, they don't move them, and they keep stocking these fish up with more and more and feeding them all. So it's just destruction it's doing to the bottom of the ocean. And so in the event one of your candidates could pick up a lower house seat, 
what you you don't sound like you're into it. You don't sound like you like that large scale salmon farming. But what am I verbaling you, or is that no, your position? I don't like it. And I think there's other options, and I think we're lazy down here. And we could have um, we could actually have. Uh, the, the salmon, we could have it actually on land and it's a lot cleaner, that sort of thing. There are other options, but they don't want to transfer over to that. And I just worry that, you know, maybe six, seven years ago when I didn't know enough about salmon, it sort of wasn't on my agenda. But you see it now. I mean, I eat salmon and I have to worry about the quality it's coming out these days and things like that. And for me, I do believe that they're over farming down here and they're going to continue to do that. And it will ruin it will ruin us. And that, But more importantly, ruin the, ruin the Tasmanian branch. And I actually think we're starting for us, I think we're starting to lose lose any control or whatever control we've got left over that salmon farming out there that's just off off the sides of the islands, especially mm. down there in Hobart. Okay, and the other big thing is the Marinus Link uh, with the mainland and there's a big offshore uh, wind development. I think, is it Robins Island yeah. or I'm just sorry, I don't have the note exactly in front of me, but anyway, there's a big development there's some discussion about some transmission infrastructure, which is going to go inland in the state. And I've, I've seen reports of, you know, perhaps farmers have their land compulsorily acquired. So again, it, another Krakatoa issue, <laughs> where do you line up? It's actually not an issue, but the state government's not listening to the um, other proposal that's been put on the table that has its own investors. It's not asking for any state or federal uh, money. There's about, there's well in excess of uh, 460 eight turbines that had come up from the west coast through rugged um, land that certainly uh, can't be used for anything else apart from a little bit of mining. Um, and quite frankly, if you're not mining in Tasmania by now trying to open new mines in the future, good luck with that. I actually put a lot of that onto the Minerals Council and how much pull they've got within the Liberal Party because quite frankly, that's that's the project that should have been uh, ticked off. That's West Coast Renewables. They've already, um, they've already done, I think, 68 wind turbines down there, down the West Coast, which they can see is working very well. So we could have all this ticked off and we could have not just that feeding into the Marinus Link, but we could also, by having that many wind turbines down here, we could go into the um, hydrogen as well off that off that one lot of um, wind farming that's down there. Everybody knows that and everybody's questioning why they're going to ruin something like Robins Island over there that can only has the capacity to do, um, I think, is it 78 or, or 86 or something? It was originally smaller. They're putting more there now when we've already got this one. The plan of attack's been there for a very, very long time and I'm wondering why the state government has not ticked off on that and why it is still persisting with Robins Island. So it's their own, their, their own worst enemy down here, honestly. But is it, did you did you just answer your own question in the sense that you think the minerals or the, the local minerals industry is, is more powerful, therefore the state government's looking for something that doesn't impact people's mining leases or something. I just forgive me because I don't know enough about the local yeah. landscape. Yes, yeah, so I think the Minerals Council believes that some of these um, wind turbines, the ones coming up from the West Coast, that um, already have investment um, may be put on a bit of their patch. Well, I'd remind them that if you get mining up in the future in those patches, good luck with that. That's the first thing. And my second thing is that you can move those wind turbines by so many. You can move them over by a K or 2K. They're still effective. You can move them outside the area if you need to. So I have to ask why they're having this big fight with Robins Island, that state and federal Liberal Party, when there's already a solution that is sitting there in front of them. These men have spent uh, the last six or eight years trying to get this investment up and going. They have full investment, uh, private investment out there. They're not asking for any money and why they can't get moving. Let's come back now to your 
campaign. Now you're not up in for the Senate this time, Jackie. You've you, you're serving out your six year term, but you're trying to get a colleague and a friend of yours, I think, elected to the Senate. And you've got candidates certainly, you know, in both of these seats, Bass and Braddon. What's the prospect of success? Um, well, certainly that Senate seat, if we don't win that, then blow me over. If I can't knock Erica Betts over, there's something we're doing, something terribly wrong. That's all I've got to say. That's all I say to either between Tammy Terrell or Erica Betts, take your goddamn pick, Tasmanians. There's nobody else in the running. Um, I think the second thing is, is for us is that um, when it comes to those lower house candidates, um, there'll be uh, certainly three of them that we have are looking at having a run, having a taste for, of it this time. They've still got uh, businesses to run and, and family. They're having a taste, hopefully, so next time they can be out there a lot earlier and have half a chance. This time what we want to be able to do is show the majors when it comes to Bass, Braddon and um, Lions is um, I suggest you get to the table and talk to us about preference deals because I would think that the kingmaker here or king queen, whatever, or the queen maker, um, is going to be the Jackie Lambie Network and where those preferences go in those three um, lecturers. Well, it's like you it's like you read my mind because I, that was what I was going to ask you. Obviously, you will be very critical, I think, uh, because you're going to get a chunk of the vote regardless of how how it pans out. So what are your what's your inclination? Um, well, the inclination what we've seen is we're certainly sitting around that 10 or 15% in those electorates. So that should be rowing for both those major parties. And I'm surprised they're not sitting here with um, champagne bottles just waiting at the front door ready to speak to me, but they're not in any hurry. What's new out there? So, so the, no one's spoken to you? Uh, we've had um, minimum contact with both of them, which I have to be honest with you. Uh, I think I thought earlier would be better, but I think later will be better because the later... The later it is, the more I can see how they're actually performing out there. Mm. So, um, you know, are we going to get same, same or are we going to get a little bit of difference? What I do know is that if Labor's proposing to do some of these things that the Liberals are, that they haven't done their homework on some of these projects set for the future of Tasmania and they're not going to work. So that's very worrying. What about though, and I, and I accept what you said, and, and why wouldn't you say anything other than what you've just said at this point? right? Why wouldn't you seek to influence where the major parties end up on some of these really important local issues, right? Why wouldn't you do that? But it's hard for me because obviously I haven't watched you in your natural habitat. I haven't been down here watching you here. I've watched you obviously in Canberra, which is where we both hang out. It kind of boggles my mind that you'd think about the Liberals. It does. I'm not not saying that you would automatically vote with Labor either because you know, you, you have conflicts with them as well. But you've been so critical of Scott Morrison. You really have. So, like, is this a genuine um, beauty parade? Um, look, I, I think for us it's, like I said, I, we haven't seen the performance in Labor. The nine years I've, I've done up there in and out, um, that's always been Liberal. So, um, you know, is there a difference between them? That's that's the question I want to know. I suppose the only way we're going to do that is with Anthony Albanese. Just because Scott Morrison is not performing doesn't mean that maybe some of those um, Liberals in other electorates are not performing either, you know. So I try and look at not what Scott Morrison's doing but if you're a Liberal Party member, are you providing for your community? Because it comes down to that. And if it means if, if we can, if we do a preference deal with Labor and remove you, will that new person come in, actually be able to provide more or less or about the same? So I guess it's looking at all that. Yeah, well, you're right to pull me up on that. It was sort of idiotic, really, 
in a way. For me to, no, 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 but you're right to pull me up. So, like, obviously Bridget Archer, for example, in Bass, uh, has made herself a bit of a pain in the neck with the Prime Minister on, well, I don't know, a number of issues now. Is that what you mean? If if a member or a putative member is prepared to be a pain in the ass, not to put too fine a point on it, is, you know, is that what you're getting at? I think by being a pain in the ass, has she delivered for Bass? Mm. That's what I'm asking. Mm. Uh, is she getting all the all the stuff out of Morrison she should be for Bass? Well, what's the answer? I don't see a lot of offerings going into Bass at this point in time. Um, so that would show me that he's, he's obviously not backing Bridget himself. You know, I can talk to the people of Bass like I have been and you've got it is, it is um, quite conservative in Bass itself. Um, so there are people up there that believe that, you know, that by her doing to the Liberal Party what she's done, she has betrayed them. Mm. And then you've got other people going out, well, good on her for stepping out. But And then other people saying to me, well, why didn't you just go out as an independent? Why didn't she get up and leave? Why is she, why is she staying there? So there, there's all that. But, you know, what what is going to be delivered to Bass, which is not a lot on the table that I can see right now coming from the Liberal Party, and is that the best thing for Bass? But is is that the test, right? Is the test more, more stuff in terms of, you know, you mentioned housing, you mentioned health, you know, how the services are quite poor here. Is, is that what you mean by... Yeah, okay, well... Yeah, so I think for me it's it's um, what you're going to offer and have you done your homework? Have you done your homework and actually seen what Bass actually needs and gone into discussion with them? And, and even as a as a serving member now, have you done your due diligence and not just passed out a little couple of thousand bucks here and there and what, what purpose has that actually served and what, what has been the outcome of that? So, you know, it's just, it's watching all of that. I mean... You know, you can walk around and you can see the changes in the air. They're just not 100% sold on Albanese. And, uh, and again, just sort of picking up that point, right, and you made this point before Julie Collins isn't really backing him in or is not very visible or, you know, all of that, um, is that part of your calculation as well? I mean, obviously you're just making a general observation about, you know, what is or isn't happening at a political level, mm. but you're the one that's got to make the decision about where your preferences go. doesn't matter with Julie Collins because she's in a safe seat. So unless we were to come up at 20%, we're not going to make any difference. We know that. Um, it's the same with Clark. We can run in Clark, but we know Andrew's got it sewn up right now tomorrow. Um, so our three biggest seats that we can make a massive difference in are Bass Lines and Braden and on quite comfortable because that's outside of Hobart, to be honest. We always poll much better on the outside of that than what we do on the inside. And Erica Betts, you mentioned a minute ago, just with your Senate campaign, again, as we've driven around, we've seen all of these billboards of Erica Betts. There's there's no obvious Liberal branding on them. I can't remember what they say, but it's something like Erica Betts for Tasmania or something like that, right? What do you make of all that? We actually thought about doing big Liberal stickers and just putting them at the bottom of them. We thought, no, we'd best not do that because that's sabotaging his signs. And that would not be fair because I don't like it when people draw on my signs and do other things. So he's been let off lightly. But I really, we were, we were this close from ordering big Liberal stickers to stick on the bottom of it. And I thought, oh, we best not do that. That's a little bit naughty. Though it's still killing me that I didn't do it. But anyway. <laughs> no, but, but what, like. Again, like what what about this am I not getting, Jackie, because I'm not a local, right? Eric Abetz, for me, he's been around in politics so long, he's so identified with being a Tasmanian Liberal senator. Like I don't, I, I don't compute this. I honestly need you to <laughs> explain this 
to me because I don't understand. Yeah, I think um, he's been very lucky. Well, not lucky. Um, he's done his homework and his due diligence in the in the past when it comes to winning selection um, first on the ticket. I just don't think he did his due diligence this time. There's there is a changeover too within the Liberal Party where the old stalwart, unfortunately, they're passing away because they do have an older uh, an older demographic in that Liberal Party. Labor's not far behind them, and the younger people are not volunteering to go f- to help any major parties out. So for some reason. Um, um, look, Eric lost out there. He asked everyone to vote for him first, no doubt, and then forgot to say, if you don't vote for me first, you better put second down, and that threw him out. He's now, I don't think Eric Abetz, unless it's from the beginning, I won't go back 27 years ago, but this is probably one of the first time Eric Abetz has been removed down to third place on the ticket, and quite frankly, um, I think he's struggling with that, and doing a below-the-line thing is not a Lisa Singh. Uh, you know, he certainly doesn't have the the looks of Lisa either, or the voice, or that multicultural um, society behind them, especially in Hobart. He's going to really struggle. Uh, and unless you're in Hobart, most people have got no idea who Erica Betts is up here. Well, yeah. That's the other thing. This is what, really what I'm getting to. Um, and Lisa Singh's the obvious case in point. Uh, we, you know, I was sort of thinking, oh my God, he's doing a Lisa Singh. Like looking at these, looking at these. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm very grateful she didn't run below the line last time, or I may not have won. She'd already <laughs> skipped out because Christ, she she blew it away. What she did, watching her do that below the line back in 2016, I think it was. Um, she smashed it. Well, if you're listening, Lisa, there's an endorsement. Anyway, um, but but see, yeah, in my head, what I was trying to say, obviously not very coherently a minute ago, was that um, I just can't imagine that people don't know Erica Betts is a Liberal, but you're saying up here he's less well-known. Is that right? Yeah, um, up here the Erica Betts name doesn't um, doesn't start. It may do in Bass and it may do down there in Hobart because, um, like I said, it's more conservative in Bass, so that sort of carries on in, in the middle of Hobart there. But most people might know, may have heard of Eric, but that's about as far as it goes. So, and if you're not relate, relating him to the Liberal Party, there's probably people out there, especially here on the northwest coast, going, oh, is that another independent here or something, you know? Well, it's, yeah, it's just intriguing. It really is. Anyway, puts Tasmania first. Mike Bowers, who's sitting in, in this conversation because he's, uh, he's with me this week, is saying, yeah, the posters, if you're interested, guys, say Erica Betts puts Tasmania first and there's a big picture of Erica Betts but no party branding on it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, let's um, finish up this way. Who's going to win the election? Gee, I think um, surely... Surely Morrison's got to be gone. You would think he's got to be gone. I just, I I know change is a big thing, not just for everyone out there but myself as well, but quite frankly, um, the Liberals in nine years have gone. I've gone through Abbott, Turnbull, Morrison, uh, and they've hit rock bottom. I think it's time for the Liberal Party. For the greater, for the goodness of the nation, they need to go away and have a good look at themselves for a few years and resort themselves out. That's what I think. I think they're a very divided party. Um, they are struggling, and I always said that about um, Scott Morrison. I don't believe he's got leader, leader capabilities in him, and the more pressure you put on him, which is what's happening now, the more he will fall apart, and that will continue to, in the next six or seven weeks. Do you think, because you said to me, um, change is hard, what's your read of the mood out there? I mean, I'm sure you're channeling that in your answer, but do you think that your folks out there, out out uh, in Bernie and 
beyond, do you reckon they are ready for a change? I think they are ready for a change and also once again come down to our preferences because like I said, you've already got um, you've got two of the electorates down south. They're already sewn up. We know that. So the, the only ones that are up for grabs are Lyons, Braddon and Bass and they're the ones up for grabs. That's where we hold our biggest percentage and um, we'll be watching them all the way to the end until we need to give preferences out. That's what we'll be doing. Yeah, well, quite a contest down there. Jackie, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it. Thank you to Miles Martignoni, who's the EP of this show. Thank you to you guys for listening, sharing, etc. Uh, it's Budget Week next week. God help us. Oh, God, Jackie looked like I needed to send the smelling salts in her direction. Yes, a budget next week. Going to space. <laughs> Neither of us are going to Once space. Once I've gone in the submarine. Once I've been in the submarine, I'm going up to space. She's not really going to space. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.